Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. <laughs> good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Uh, good to see you guys this morning. Um, yeah, great start to the day so far with my computer not functioning the way it's supposed to, but it's all good. Hey, we've got an incredible, incredible, incredible weekend this weekend as we celebrate 10 years at Fusion Church, three years at uh, EHT, I'm sorry, yeah, three years at EHT and one year at Cumberland County. And, oh, man, we're so excited. It's going to be a great, great weekend. So make sure you come out. Make sure you invite your friends. It's going to be a party. Okay, today we're going to be in the book of Job, chapter 15. But also, let me just remind you as well, this weekend is Celebration Sunday. But next weekend, we have baptisms. Come on, everybody. So if you haven't been baptized, next weekend is the day or the weekend to do it. So make sure uh, you uh, register to get baptized if you have not already. All right. So Job chapter 15, Job chapter 15. And before we read, we'll give it a prayer. All right. Father, we just thank you. Uh, God, that we get another day in you. Uh, Lord, I just thank you that we have another another opportunity to glorify you, to um, exalt you, to lift your name on high. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to take advantage and to see every opportunity that we have to do so, God. I pray that as we are um, interacting with our friends, co-workers, family members, God, that that your name would be magnified, that we would bring you glory and honor, God. I pray that as we read your word, uh, God, that you would really just make it come alive to us, God, and that uh, we would apply it to our lives so that um, it can produce real life change. And we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Okay, Job chapter 15. Job chapter 15. I'm reading the NIV version, and it says this. Then Eliphaz the Terminite replied would a wise person answer with empty notions or fill their belly with hot east wind would they argue with useless words with speeches that have no value but you have you even undermine piety and hinder devotion to god your sin prompts your mouth you adopt the tongue of the crafty your own mouth condemns you not mine your own lips testify against you are you the first man ever born were you brought forth before the hills verse 8 do you listen in in on god's counsel do you have a monopoly on wisdom what do you know that we do not know what insights do you have that we do not have the gray-haired and the aged are on our side men 
even older than your father, are God's consolations not even for you? Are God's God's consolations not even, not enough for you? Words spoken gently to you. Why has your heart carried you away? And why do you, you why do your eyes flash so that you vent your rage against God and pour out such words from your mouth? What are mortals that they could be that they could be pure, or those born of woman that they could be righteous? Verse 15. If God places no trust in his holy ones, if even the heavens are not pure in his eyes, how much less mortals who are vile and corrupt, who drink up evil like water. Verse 17, listen to me and I will explain to you. Let me tell you what I have seen, what the wise have declared, hiding nothing received from their ancestors, to whom alone the land was given no foreigners, when no foreigners moved among them. Verse 20, all his days, the wicked man suffers torment. The ruthless man through all the years stored up for him. Terrifying sounds fill his ears. When all seems well, marauders attack him. Verse 22, he despairs of escaping the realm of darkness. He is marked for the sword. He wanders about for food like a vulture. He knows the day of darkness is at hand. Distress and anguish fill him with terror. Troubles, troubles overwhelm him like a king poisoned to attack. Because he shakes his fist at God and vaunts himself against the Almighty. Defiantly charging against him with a thick, strong shield. Verse 27. Though his face is covered with fat and his waist bulges with flesh, he will inhabit ruined towns. And houses where no one lives, houses crumbling to rumble. He will no longer be rich, and his wealth will not endure, nor will his possessions spread over the land. He will not escape the darkness. A flame will wither his shoots, and the breath of God's mouth will carry him away. Verse 31, let, not deceive, let him not deceive himself by trusting what is worthless, for he will get nothing in return before his time. He will wither and his branches will not flourish. He will be like, like a vine stripped off, stripped of its unripe grapes, like an olive tree shedding its blossoms. Verse 34, for the company of the godless will be barren and fire will consume the tents of those who love bribes. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil, their womb fashions deceit. Okay, so we're in chapter 15 of the book of Job. Up until this point, we know Job's story. Job has gone through the ringer. I mean, the man lost his riches, lost his family. His wife has become bitter and basically told him to, to curse God and turn his back on God. And has left them. I mean, he has just been through it, right? And then he's got these three friends, uh, which are Zophar, uh, Bildad, and Eliphaz, right? Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz. And these three friends 
man, what friends, what, what incredible friends Job has. There's nothing like those people in your life that will kick you while you're down, right? And so what's interesting about Job's friends is they say things, they say a lot of things that, um, that kind of make sense, right? They say a lot of things that carry some truth to them while at the same time not being the truth for Job. Here's what I mean by that. In chapter 15, we see his friend Eliphaz after Job um, is basically just pouring out his heart and talking about how miserable this experience has been and not understanding what he's done to deserve it, um, knowing that he's been righteous in God's eyes. In fact, he was so righteous that when the enemy approached God, God says to him, hey, have, have, have you seen my guy Job? And, and the enemy's like, well, yeah, you, you haven't allowed anything bad to happen to Job as righteous as he is, right? And so God's like, okay, you know, the enemy's like, let, let me go, let me go work my thing. And, and God's like, okay, but you, you cannot touch him, right? And then he, he gets a sickness. It's a whole thing, right? But we know that Job was a very righteous man in his land and he's known for being very righteous but his friends are actually um basically saying that job has brought this upon himself because there has to be some kind of sin in his life right uh and that's what eliphaz kind of alludes to in chapter 15. he first starts off by saying would a wise person answer verse two would a wise person answer with empty notions or fill their belly with the hot east wind in other words what Job is saying is just a bunch of nonsense and filling his belly with words that have no substance. So what he's talking about, the, his arguments against God, what he's uh, feeling, that you're, he's just being arrogant and filling himself with words that are empty and have no substance to them. He says, verse three, would they argue with useless words, with speeches that have no value, but you even undermine piety? and hinder devotion to god again some of this stuff makes sense right because the truth is that there are many of us who hinder devotion to god we hinder it through our pride we hinder it through our sin we hinder it through uh our distractions right we hinder it through our bitterness offense um selfishness right we hinder devotion for god for many reasons and in many things. However, this is not the case for Job, but he is assuming that this is the case for Job, right? So he says, your sin prompts you, your mouth, you adopt the tongue of the crafty, your own mouth condemns you, not mine, your own lips testify against you. This is assuming that, hey, there is unrighteousness in your life, and even the words that you're speaking point to the fact that there is something wrong going on in your life and that's why god is punishing you that's why you're going through the storm that's why you're going through this trial and some of us have heard that truth in the church which is not really a truth right we assume that because bad things happen to us that bad things only happen to us because we are not in the will of god that bad circumstances come into our lives because we are not close to god that uh we suffer through situations and circumstances because there must be some kind of sin in our lives. 
But the truth of what we discover through the trajectory of Job's life is that the sun goes up on the righteous and comes down on the righteous, right? That rain falls on the unrighteous and the righteous. That bad things happen to good people and bad people. That the circumstances and, and, and uh, the circumstances and situations of our lives are not necessarily dependent on our morality. Although there is some truth to what, I mean, we see it through the book of Psalms, that the wicked will suffer God's judgment and all that stuff, right? But the truth of the matter is that life happens to us all. Good, bad, ugly, it happens to us all, regardless of the things that we're doing right or the things we're doing wrong, right? But his friends assume that if this is all happening to Job, there has to be some unrighteousness in his life. So he continues and he says, are you the first man ever born? Were you brought forth before the hills? Do you listen in on God's counsel? Do you have a monopoly on wisdom? Basically, a lot of this stuff is true. Hey, Job, dude, when, when standing in comparison to God, you are not wise, right? You didn't, you didn't form the earth, right? You didn't put the hills where they were from. You, you're not older than the hills, right? God hasn't given you some private counsel, right? Verse 9 says, what do you know that we do not know? Now, here's where you see the, the, the pride of Eliphaz's friend. What, what do you know that we do not know, right? What insights do you have that we do not have? The gray-haired and the aged are on our side. Men even older than your father are men even older than your father. So right here, we see Eliphaz's arrogance in that like, hey, I'm a righteous person. We've got people on our side. We have people who listen to our counsel. Why won't you listen to us, Job? Right? And this is a really important lesson I think we could all learn. Because not everyone that speaks into your life should be speaking into your life. I'll say that again. Not everyone that is speaking into your life should be speaking into your life. You need to be careful what voices you're listening to. You need to be careful the people that you allow to lord over you. And you can hear the frustration in Eliphaz's voice because Job just wasn't having it. Like Job knew where he stood with God. And that's why it's so important. You cannot allow uh, people to determine your standing with God, to determine and dictate your relationship with God. You cannot allow people to determine your identity, right? No matter how spiritual they are, you have to be very careful and use a lot of wisdom with the truths or the words that you are allowing to be spoken over your life, right? There's, there's, it's good to have mentors, right? Your pastors, elders, leaders, right? But not everyone, hear me, not everyone is speaking the truth of God's word and blessing over your life. And you need to be very careful who you allow to do that because Eliphaz while he's speaking some actually some things that do make sense, he's also not being really led by the spirit of God in this moment. 
And he's assuming that because Job is going through some difficulties in his life, that it must be because he's got some kind of sin in his life. And so, you know, he's arrogantly saying, hey, we've got elders, older people who are on our side, men even older than your father. Verse 11, are, are God's consolations not enough for you? Words spoken gently to you. Verse 12, why has your heart carried you away? And why do your eyes flash? so that you vent your rage against God and pour out such words from your mouth. He took it as if Job was disrespecting, dishonoring uh, God, that he was speaking against God in rage. Can I just tell you, it's okay to be authentic with God. It's okay to be real with God. It's okay to... Uh, to share your frustrations with God. If you read throughout the entire book of Psalms, you see David, you know, venting, mourning, crying, sharing frustration, you know, uh, even doubts, but always ending with glorifying God. It's okay to be authentic and real with God. It is okay. And religion will tell you that it's not. But relationship will compel you to be authentic and real with God. Right? Verse 14. Eliphaz says, What are mortals that they could be that they could be pure, or those born of a, of woman that they could be righteous? Again, there is truth in this. What are mortals that we can be pure? Right. Or what are those who are born of women that they could be righteous is righteous. If God places no trust in his holy ones, if even the heavens are not pure in the in his eyes, how much less mortals who are vile and corrupt, who drink up evil. There's so much truth in that. Right. We can never be pure. We could never be fully righteous. The Bible says even our own righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. If God doesn't place trust in his only in his holy ones, if even the heavens are not pure in his eyes, how could we ourselves be pure outside of the pure sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross? There's so much truth with this. The problem is that this is not the case for Job again. He is assuming and communicating that because you are unrighteous, that's what's caused you to go through difficult times. And that is just not true. So he continues and he says, listen to me and I will explain to you. Let me tell you what I have seen, what the wise have declared, hiding nothing received from the, their ancestors, to whom alone the land was given when no foreigners move among them. Verse 20, all his days, the wicked man suffers torment. See, the wicked man. Again, truth, just not the truth for Job. Because there was no wickedness in Job. Job did not do anything to deserve any kind of punishment. This was just life happening to Job. He says, all, the, all his days, the wicked man suffers torment. The ruthless man, through all the years, stored up for him. Terrifying sounds fill his ears. 
when all seems well, marauders attack him. Again, a lot of truth in that. Hey, when all things look like they're going well, trust you me, people who walk in wickedness will get what's coming to them. That's basically what he's saying. Verse 22, he despairs of escaping the realm of darkness. He is marked for the sword. He wanders about for food like a vulture. He knows the day of darkness is at hand, right? Distress and anguish fill him with terror. Troubles overwhelm him like a king poised to attack because he shakes his fist at God. And the reason why Eliphaz is saying this is because in his mind, Job questioning why he's going through this and Job uh, sharing frustration about his situation and his circumstances is like shaking his fist at God and vaunts himself against the Almighty, defiantly charging against him with a thick, strong shield. Now, here's the truth, right? When we, when we go through life, when difficult circumstances hit us, when, consequent, when we uh, suffer the consequences of our sins, but not even that, when we go through difficult things in life, uh, sicknesses, uh, we get laid off, um, COVID, uh, all kinds of things, right? When we go through situations in life, it is not good for us to look at God and go, how could you do this to me? How could you allow this to happen? How could you, how could you, how could you not? How could you not step in? How could you not help me? Like the truth of the fact is God is God. He is so much higher above us. He, he's so other. He, he, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is so much more supreme that how could we as people who are in our own human flesh look at God and shake our fist at him? That's very true. However, however, okay, asking God real questions. Going to God and seeking him for help, you know, asking God to step in, sharing our concerns, fears, anxieties, worries, frustrations um, with God is not a bad thing. We should come to God. We should run to him. The Bible says that they who run unto him and seek him will find him, right? But Eliphaz assumes that Job's response to his situation is him defiantly shaking his fist at God and defiantly charging against him, right? And this is what Eliphaz says. Though his face is covered with fat and his waist bulges with flesh, and this is why Eliphaz assumed that Job was going through this because of some unrighteousness, because Job was very wealthy. In fact, he was one of the most wealthy people in the land. He uh, was very righteous. He was very wealthy. He had a lot going for him. His family was blessed. His home was blessed. His marriage was blessed. And this is why he says, though his face is covered with fat. Fat was a form of blessing. Fat was uh, a form of prosperity. Fat was a form of provision and sustenance. So he says, though his face is covered with fat and his waist bulges with flesh, meaning he's got plenty he will inhabit ruined towns and houses where no one lives, houses crumbling with rubble. Again, it's Eliphaz saying, though 
he looks like he's doing well, though he may be doing well for a while. He's going to get what he's coming for him, and he's going to walk in lands that are inhabited with ruins and towns and houses where no one lives, houses crumbling to rumble. Verse 29, he says he will no longer be rich, and his wealth will not endure, nor will possessions spread over the land. Now, you have to imagine Joseph lost all his wealth. I mean, his home, his farmland, his family was burned down. His wife has turned her back on, on him, right? I mean, the guy, basically, he's describing Job's situation. So, hey, the wicked will, though he be blessed, he's gonna, his house is going to crumble. He's going to live in ruined houses. He's going to lose all his riches. He's going to lose all his possessions. Job, you meet all the criteria. That must mean that God has something against you because you're not living right. Again, not the case. But he says, verse 30, he will not escape the darkness. A flame will wither his shoots and the breath of God's mouth will carry him away. Let him not deceive himself by trusting what is worthless, for he will get nothing in return. Before his time, he will wither and his branches will not flourish. He will be like a vine stripped of its unripe grapes, like an olive tree shredding its blossoms, for the company of the godless will be barren and fire will consume the tents of those who love bribes. Right. We know that fire came down from heaven and consumed uh, all of Job's possessions, but it wasn't God's judgment on his life, which is what Eliphaz is saying. They conceived trouble and give birth to verse 35. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Their womb fashions deceit. So. couple things. Number one. God does judge the wicked. We know that to be true. Right. But not every situation in our lives is God's judgment over our lives. That's not how God works. Right. Just because we go through difficult times, does that mean does not mean that God is against us? Life happens to us all. Life gets difficult. Situations change, circumstances change. Uh, Craig Rochelle always says, You're one of three people. You're either someone who's coming out of a situation, someone who's getting ready to go into a situation, or someone who's currently in the middle of a situation. And that is a vicious cycle of life, right? Uh, but that does not mean that God has turned his back on you. That does not mean that it's happening because. You have some form of unrighteousness in your life. Life happens to us all. And we need to trust God in every single situation. Right. And as the book of Job goes on, after his friends just basically kick Job while he's down over and over and over again, God steps in after Job in his frustration is like, how could you allow this to happen? And God steps in with the truth. Like, hey, I am God. And even in bad situations, I'm still good. And I'm the one who hung the stars. The moon. Did you do this? You know, God basically begins to unfold and portray his majesty, his glory, his power, his might. 
before Job, and Job comes onto this understanding of like, okay, you're right. Like, regardless of what situation I'm in, you're still good. Regardless of what situation I'm in, you're still powerful. Regardless of what situation I'm in, you're still mighty. Regardless of what situation I'm in, you're still loving. What's our, regardless of what situation I'm in, you still care for me. Regardless of what situation I'm in, you still provide for me, right? You sustain me. And so I just want to encourage you that I don't know what situation, what circumstances you may be facing. God is in control. God is in control. And I would encourage you that in your circumstance, in your situation, find the right people to speak into your situation. Find the right people to speak in your situation, right? Not people who are going to be led by their own wisdom, by their own flesh, by their own understanding. Find people in your life who will point you to God, who will come alongside of you, who will pray with you, who will believe with you, who won't judge you, but will care for you, who will counsel you, who will point you to God, right? And not be led by their flesh, their own understanding, but who are spirit-led people to say, okay, we're going to go to God for this, right? And who will point you to Jesus. Uh, because Zophar, Bildad, and Eliphaz were just not it. <laughs> and that's what you see in these few chapters where they're going back and forth with Job, you know. And so I just want to pray for you before we get off. I hope you got something out of that. Um, let me just pray for you. Father, we just thank you. I thank you that you are good. God, I thank you that you are so far above us that we could not even comprehend. I thank you that your ways are not our ways, that you are so much wiser, so much smarter, uh, that you are so sovereign, uh, that you allow us to go through situations that we may not understand and we may not know and we may not comprehend why we do. But God, you know all things. And so, Lord, I just pray for those of us who are going through situations, God, that we would trust you in everything that we experience. I pray that those of us who are going through the storms, God, that we would um, not allow our faith to waver, but God, that we would know that you're on our boat, that you're with us, that you are for us, that you are uh, never going to leave us, that you stick closer to us than a brother, that God, you are a father like no other, that you are not ever uh, going to forsake us. Like the book of Psalms says, though the, our mothers and our fathers will leave us, God, you will never forsake us. And so in the midst of every circumstance, I pray that our faith would rise up to know that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are fighting on our behalf, that you are sustaining us and providing for us, that you are keeping us and covering us. And God, that no matter uh, what we're going through, you will see us through. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom in the voices that we allow to speak into our lives, the voices that we allow to speak life or death into our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would send the right people into our lives, but that you would also give us the wisdom to discern the people that should be speaking in our lives and the people that shouldn't. 
And so, Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in today. We will see you guys again next week. Don't forget this Sunday celebration service. Next Sunday, baptisms is going to be an incredible, incredible couple weeks. We'll see you then. God bless you guys.